Okay. Afternoon, everybody. Everyone okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're good, aren't we? Really, we got to the end of the June. We're up to July. That summer type of feeling is kind of apart from a little bit cloudy outside, but apart from that, we're, we're getting there, aren't we? Um, yeah, and like Pete said, loads to be excited about. This is our last Sunday at Forget Me Not Club, and you know, which has been a testimony in itself. And we're going to be moving on to even bigger testimonies and great, bigger and greater things. I trust God for Hope City Church. So yeah, um, on that note, uh, we're going to be carrying on our study in Mark, um, which has been uh, a really interesting exploration so far. I hope you found. Um, so um, open up your Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 2, verse 23, and we're going to be rolling into chapter 3 as well. So we'll be, we'll be finishing up in verse 6, um, and we're going to be focusing there today. So um, yeah, I'll give you a couple of minutes, uh, not, not as long as a couple of minutes, you've got a few seconds uh, to get there, uh, and then we'll start reading. Great. Okay. So... Um, in my Bible, this, was this passage is entitled, Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. Verse 23. One Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry, he and those who were with him? how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which it is not lawful for any but the priests to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. And chapter 3, A Man with a Withered Hand. Again, he entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man with a withered hand, Come here. And he said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. And he looked around at them with anger grieved at their hardness of heart and said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him, how to destroy him. Amen. So our passage today concludes chapter two of Mark and rolls us into chapter three. And, um, Chapter 2 of Mark has been kind of the, really the beginnings of Jesus' ministry. Um, and actually, in a way, it's been like a sparring session between Jesus and the Pharisees. Um, they've had um, this, this introduction to Jesus really at, in chapter 2. And we've, there's been a, a series of face-offs between Jesus and the Pharisees with, unsurprisingly, Jesus coming up trumps each and every time. Um, and so we've been able to explore that and study that uh, in our sermons over the last few weeks. Um, and I think you can kind of pick up, I hope you've seen, uh, over the course of this chapter, um, the sentiment of the Pharisees is getting more and more twisted, isn't it really? So you kind of, the, the first miracle, um, you know, where um, 
uh, that the, the layman is getting lay, uh, lowered down through the roof. That, that the Pharisees ask, you know, um, who is he that he believes that he can uh, forgive sins? And to be fair, if we step back from uh, uh, for a second, that's actually probably a fair theological question at that point. But they start from what is, you know, actually maybe you know some fair head scratching, and then they end up chasing him through grain fields. Um, saying how much they're trying to, fit, trying to kill him by the end of the passage. That's not a normal response, is it? Um, and, but, and our passage today is really the crescendo of that. Um, and it ends on this focus on the Sabbath. And so, and the Sabbath is essentially the straw that breaks the camel's back in terms of this face-off between the Pharisees and Jesus. Um, and I find that interesting in terms of, and I hope you do as well, and we're going to be exploring that in terms of why that might be. Why is it that of all the things that Jesus, that, they've, that they've, there's been this back and forth about in chapter two so far, this is the one that, you know, he's, he's really done it now. We've got to get rid of him, is basically how chapter three, uh, our passage today in chapter three ends. And I think for us to understand that, um, we probably need to go uh, way, way back in our Bibles. Um, so I'd like you to um, turn to Exodus chapter 31, verses 12 to 17. And we're going to just take a little look at actually what the Sabbath is, um, which I think will help us to understand uh, why this was the step too far for the Pharisees. So Exodus chapter 31, verse 12. And just to set the context, this is just when... Um, uh, God has done his miraculous wonders to um, uh, liberate the people of Israel from Egypt. Um, and he is now setting forth you know, the, the, the Ten Commandments and the, the principles of this relationship. And obviously he's demonstrated how special the Israelites are to him and that he's chosen them by liberating them from Egypt. But he's, he's fleshing that out at Mount Sinai. So we'll just be reading now just to get, get a better idea. And the Lord said to Moses, You are to speak to the people of Israel and say, Above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths. For this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. You shall keep the Sabbath because this is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. Whoever does any work on it, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. Six days shall work be done. But the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall be put to death. Therefore, the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a covenant forever. It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. So, here is God speaking, and he's setting out why the Sabbath is important. And I hope you can see from those verses that the Sabbath identified Israel as God's people. In mirroring God's decision to rest on the seventh day, um, it was clear that God, uh, and, and that God, that the people of Israel, sorry, belonged to God because they were doing the same thing. And you can imagine um, all the other tribes and clans and nations around them carrying on on the Sabbath day, doing their day-to-day -day business, but the Israelites stopping, and everybody else having to think, oh, actually, what's different about them? What's happening around about them? And I mean, 
before we move on, actually, I think that's, there's a lesson in that for us as well, in that there, sh there should be something about us that is identifiable, that is visible um, for other people to be able to tell, oh, well, right, there's something different about that group of people, the people that attend Hope City Church, that is visible and identifiable um, from a distance, really, in terms of the, the things that we do and the way that we live our lives. Um, and so I just want to challenge you. Is there something different about you <laughs> that people can see um, in your day-to-day -day life that make, identifies you as belonging to God? Um, if there isn't, let's pray. Let's try and find that today. Um, the Sabbath, moreover, though, it, go, when you talk about you know, it, it having its roots in creation, it pointed towards a relationship with the people of Israel that began from creation and goes right the way through to the end of time. And my, my study Bible describes the Sabbath almost as being like a wedding ring, um, demonstrating God's relationship with his people, a visual representation for everyone to see. And so when you think about the Sabbath, the day of the Sabbath like that, um, you begin to unpick where the Pharisees have gone wrong. Because they're looking at this wedding ring, you know, this special thing that God has given. And instead of seeing it as a representation of God's love for them and God's value for the people of Israel, they're seeing it as just a piece of metal. Um, they're just seeing the simplistic rule books and not actually the principle and the love that hides behind that, or that is at the root of that. Um, there's a few people in this room that are married. I'm married. Um, <laughs> just about. <laughs> and um, I, I, I wear a wedding ring. See, I've got one. And I um, have lost this wedding ring on a couple of occasions. Um, once, I've, I've preached before about my love for pizza. Um, I, I went to get Domino's and I lost my ring. Um, um, I, I was so like infatuated with my pizza, I didn't realize my ring had fallen off of my finger. So, um, so that was one time. Another time was in the park, uh, you know, swinging my uh, my daughter on the on the swings, and the ring went flying. I was looking everywhere. My point is, though, on both occasions, I may have had a slightly perturbed wife, but I was still married to her, even though I didn't have a ring on my finger. So it's not the ring on my finger that makes me married to Joe. Um, I'm married to Joe because, wisely or not, she's chosen me, pretty much, really. So, <laughs> and in verse 13 of Exodus, we see that God spells out that the Sabbath is there because he has chosen the people of Israel. It's God that sanctifies them. Um, is, is the exact word that it says in verse 13. So it's not the Sabbath, not the day, not the wedding ring that makes them special, that represents that relationship. It's God. And so, again, you can see through that that the, the Pharisees have lost that. They've lost that understanding that it is God that makes them holy. It's God that makes them chosen. It's God's lo love and his relationship with them that has made the people of Israel his own, not their ability to stick to the rules um, around the Sabbath. And in our passage today, we see how Jesus is just astounded at this, <laughs> isn't he, really? Um, I, just, I, I just love that phrase where he, uh, you know, uh, where he says, have, have you even read, uh, do, have you even read the Bible? 
guys. And to be even thinking about the Sabbath in this way. Um, he gives that example of, of David at the temple of Abiathar. And we can see as well in um, Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 25. Um, I don't think there is. So I'll be there for a second. But it says, If you go into your neighbor's standing grain, you may pluck the ears with your hand, but you shall not put a sickle to your neighbor's standing grain. And this is the, these, are, these are God's laws that he set out in Deuteronomy. And you can see that the disciples actually haven't broken that law. They, they've, they've, not, uh, they, they've, they've taken grain in a way that fits within the laws that God has made. So actually, when you think about it, the Pharisees, they're not, they're not following scripture. They're not better rule keepers or law, law keepers than the disciples. They're, they're, they're worse. They don't actually understand the scripture that they're using to throw the book at them. Um, and so actually, so, and by doing this, it becomes clear that the, the sentiment is not about actually who's the best at keeping the rules. There's something else, there's another motive that's driving them. Um, rabbinic texts from the time show us that Pharisees had laws on the Sabbath for all sorts of things, you know, in terms of you know, how, how, how many steps you could take on, on the day of the Sabbath, um, you know, whether you could you know, stitch up a garment if it, if it split. So, you know, if I'd, I'd be in trouble with my jeans right now, if I'd, I'd be stuck for the day. You guys don't want to see that. <laughs> if, you, um, if you had your, your animal, it fell into a pit, whether you'd be able to get it, get, get it out of the pit until the next day. So many different rules and laws. You name it, there was a rule for it. Um, but all of these things, actually, many of them, beyond what Scripture asked them to do. Uh, what, what, what God had written out actually in the law itself. And so like I say again, why are you doing more than what God has asked you to do um, if your motive is simply to worship God and to elevate him? And so as I say, the, the, the behavior, the actions of the Pharisees actually um, reveal and unveil that actually there's, there's more uh, to how they're behaving than what they um present. And I think it's so easy to look at these passages and think, you know, silly Pharisees, I could never be like them. And, 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 read, and read scripture with a boo and a hiss whenever the Pharisees come out and like a little bit of, you know, like your, your Christmas pantomime kind of thing. Because I know that's how I've grown up uh, reading scripture whenever I think or hear about the Pharisees. But what I hope is that, you know, th th this afternoon you'll be able to stop and think about how unwittingly, how unwittingly we can be so similar to them. Um, I talked about the Pharisees' motives. And I think at the root of it, the truth is that actually making up our own rules and following our own laws or traditions or whatever they might be are actually significantly easier, or so they seem, than following God's rules. If you look at scripture, where God says, you know, uh, love your neighbor as yourself. I've got to be honest, <laughs> I'm sure many of us in this room will probably say the same, that there might be, there are days where I might look at somebody and think, I would rather count how many steps I've taken today than forgive you right now. Um, and I'm sure you can think of other examples in terms of, you know, it, it would be a lot easier to, you know, make sure that I don't turn off a light switch today 
than to not want that thing that I shouldn't want or do that thing that I shouldn't do. Um, and you can see that they, this, this is revealed in the Pharisees and their ability to know Scripture so well but ignore the actual parts of Scripture that are directly relevant to the episode that has happened. Jesus says, have you even read? He knows they've read. They know Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 25, about what is legitimate in terms of ways to pick up grain. They know the story. David, King David is, is a rock star to them. Uh, he, they, know, they, they know that story of him and Abiathar the priest inside out. But they're willing to ignore it because it doesn't fit with their agenda. And at the heart of it, although they're talking about the Sabbath, about how, um, you know, breaking the rules of the Sabbath, how wrong, how wrong, how disrespectful and blasphemous to God, actually, and making it out as if they're, they're the ultimate in terms of worshipping the God of Israel. It's clear that actually this isn't about worshipping God for them. They've made their own God according to their own rules to massage their own egos because they're, they're, they're adding things that, don't be, that aren't actually in Scripture. They're saying things about God that God doesn't say himself. And how often do we do this? How many times do we look at scripture and think, it would be a lot easier if I acted like that verse wasn't there? As I say, God's rules are harder to live by than any we can invent for ourselves. That's why most of the world would rather live by our own self-determined rule set than follow his commands as laid out in scripture. And I think for us as Christians, we need to remember that his word that he has given to us is a lamp to our feet. And nothing lays out better how to live life than the Bible that you have in front of you. Um, if he is the creator of the universe, yeah, think about the creed that we have just said. Who is more likely to know what is important in terms of how to live a blessed and prosperous life? Is it you or is it the person that we've just spoken about, Almighty God the Father, who has given you his scripture? I mean, I know that, you know, I, Joe, <laughs> I, I often, so I say often, I sometimes get given the task of doing uh, you know, a bit of DIY, um, regrettably. <laughs> um, you know, your flat packs from Ikea, or otherwise. And sometimes I might go a little bit, you just, just think, I don't need the instructions here, I'm just going to go for it. And it doesn't work out very well often when I do. And it, I, often I, it'll seem like it's going fine, and then I'll get to like step 24 and find out actually that screw that I didn't think I need, I really need, and so I need to go all the way back. And it's a little bit like that when we make rules and try for ourselves and try and follow life the way that we believe that we should do. God the Creator has set out perfect instructions about how to live life in, in the Bible, in the word that we have been given. Um, we don't need to subtract. We don't need to do our own thing. We don't need to add to the instructions that he has given because he's, he's laid out to us perfectly and the way, the way to live life, to glorify him, and to love one another. You see, 
Jesus is calling us not to, not to worship a God of our own rules or of our own making. He's calling us to follow him. He's, a, he's the Lord of the Sabbath. In calling himself this, he identifies himself plainly and clearly with God the Father, being there at the beginning of time. And in doing so, affirms his lordship over all. He's saying that he is above the God, the self-made God of the Pharisees. He's above their egos. Um, he's above their rules. And similarly, he is above our fake gods that we create for ourselves. He is above our fake rules and traditions that we create for ourselves. He, he is Lord of all. And he's ushering us to discover the true meaning, the true purpose for our lives. Um, and we can only do this when we turn away from the idols that we create for ourselves and the hollow counterfeits that we, we focus and, and prefer to look on instead of looking at the God that created us. Let's seek true and proper relationship with him. Look at verse 27 of chapter 2 again. It says, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And the point that Jesus is making here is that the Sabbath, and, and speaking more widely, the scriptures that we have, that they're not just simply empty box-ticking exercises. Um, God hasn't given us his words just for the sake of it. They're not callous diktats from an unloving father who just gets a kick out of seeing us get it wrong or watching us trip up. Um, they exist to point us towards the Lord of the Sabbath. They exist to point us towards Jesus Christ and how to glorify him. And if we fail to see this, if we think we can be good without Jesus, we, we, we just end up corrupting what is good and turning it into something evil, just as the Pharisees have. You know, like I said, our own rules and living, by, living in, in worship of our own gods instead of, instead of living in worship of the true God, it just makes life a lot harder for us. You know, how God's, God's law was stop and rest. What a great law. <laughs> stop and rest. What was the Pharisees' law? Just don't rest. Count how many steps. Keep, spend your whole life, spend that whole day on edge, jittering in case you break a rule. Which one is easier? Which one is truly better for, our well, for the well-being? It's God's law. And sometimes we fail to see that. Um, but everything is for the good of our body and soul from God the Father. That's what we've said. And we, when we see that, when we really unpeel back scripture. Mark chapter 3, verse 2. Um, we'll just skip ahead to there. It just says, And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. And I just find this interesting because this isn't like the start of chapter 2 uh, when the Pharisees are just getting to know Jesus. Like I said, for me, anyway, I feel like you can give them a little bit of a bye at the start of chapter 2. They've not met Jesus before, maybe. Um, they're asking maybe what seems like some fair theological questions. But here at the start of chapter 3, they, they know him. And they know who Jesus is now. Um, and they know him to the ex extent that they're following him around, expecting him to heal. And I think sometimes, actually, I, I wonder if the Pharisees have more faith 
than, I, than we do. Um, in the expecting that where Jesus is, he will heal. Um, do we expect him to heal in the same way? Do we know Jesus and know that where he is, he will bring healing? Let's have that faith today. Thankfully for this passage, it wasn't just the Pharisees that believed that Jesus could heal. Most importantly, this man with a shriveled hand did. Uh, I'd like us just to stop and take a second just to think actually about how um, courageous this man actually was. We've spoken about Exodus chapter 31 um, and talking about um, the, the punishment for breaking the Sabbath was death. Um, and you can see how um, the, the social construct of the time, the, the Pharisees were the people of authority um, and they were clearly indicating that what Jesus was doing was wrong and what Jesus was doing was potentially breaking this Sabbath where the consequences would be or should be death. And Jesus in healing him here um, is doing it in the most public fashion. He's asked him to stand up in front of everybody. He hasn't gone to him at night. He hasn't called him into a quiet place. He's asked him to stand up in front of everybody and join him in this act. And I want us to feel challenged today in saying, are you prepared to follow Jesus whatever the cost? And when he calls you out to do something for him, are you prepared to be potentially publicly humiliated or even significantly worse um, in order to follow his will? Because that's what this man with the withered hand does today. And I believe that, that's a standard that we're being asked to meet as a church if we're going to live out what God has promised for us. And verse 5 says, as he, he looked around at them with anger, grieved at the hardness of their heart, and said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. You see, Jesus was angry because... And he was sad and grieved because the, the Pharisees failed to see this man with a withered hand as a human being. And when we fail to put God first, when we fail to put Jesus first, everything else falls out of sync. It doesn't sit where it should do. And we fail to see, we see, we see us above other people, and we fail to see creation and the human beings around us in the way that God sees them. And th these Pharisees here, they fail to see this man and treat him with the compassion that he deserves. Instead of seeing a human being um, hurt, a human being um, that needed their support, needed their care, all they see is exhibit A in their vendetta against Jesus. Um, the account of this episode in Matthew chapter 12 gives us a little bit more detail. Where Jesus says, Which one of you has a sheep that if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath will not take hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. In satisfying their own desires to follow the rules and essentially worshipping their own gods as I've touched on, the Pharisees have somehow managed to make it a debate into whether doing a good thing for your neighbor and following the Sabbath can coexist. 
Do you see how nonsensical that is? <laughs> um, and it's so, and how that demonstrates how easy it is to corrupt what is good. Um, and we can easily fall into the same trap, demeaning and diminishing the value of others in order to serve our own self-interests. In doing so, instead of looking at people as bearing the image of God, we minimize them, we make them less than ourselves, we make them less than sheep, as the Pharisees have here, just because they get in the way. In the way. Let's follow Jesus' lead on this, and show love and mercy at all times, loving people, whatever they look like, whatever's happened to them, with the love of Christ. Put Jesus' agenda above our own. As I've touched on, the Pharisees know who Jesus is by the end of our passage today. And if you really come to know who Jesus is, um, have that experience of who Jesus is, the truth is there are only two outcomes. And one is complete submission to the Lord of the Sabbath and the Lord of all. Or the other is hostility against him because he threatens the God that you've created. He threatens the comfort that you've created around the traditions and little rules that are easy for you to tick the boxes for. Um, and there is no middle ground. Um, even if you apply the rules of the Pharisees around the Sabbath across these passages, isn't it obvious that Chapter 3, verse 6, them plotting to kill and murder Jesus is a lot worse than what the disciples have done in picking heads of grain. But they're so conceited, so intent on worshipping themselves that they have, um, and the rules that they have created that they will not change. And that actually the miracles that have, presented, that have been presented to them it throughout chapter 2 and into chapter 3 today that actually are signs to demonstrate that Jesus is the Son of God, that are actually the signs that should soften their hearts and turn them towards him. Instead of doing that, they harden even more. And I just want to ask you today, what will your response to Jesus be? Will you harden your heart even more the more that he reaches out the more that he shows who he is will you push back even more because he threatens you being able to carry on your comfortable existence and your comfortable day to day what will your response to Jesus be when everybody is around and you might be in a lot of trouble will you reach out your hand to him and submit. He's calling you today for you to see what the Sabbath, what life, what is all about. And it is all about him. You might know him already, as many of you do in this room. And I hope that today, what's been said today is a prod and a poke for you to, to stop going through the motions, um, putting on the wedding ring, but forgetting what the wedding ring means. Um, Jesus wants relationship with you.
He wants real relationship today. Um, let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your patience with us. We thank you because of your word, which is flawless, and which you have revealed perfectly how to live, perfectly how to honor you and glorify you. Lord Jesus, I pray that you will help us to live our lives in a way that does not subtract or add anything to what you have laid out for us. Help us to live life not according to rules, not according to accusations, but with the grace and mercy that you have shown, demonstrating that to others around us. For those of us that don't know you, help us to live our life. Help us to turn today and stop resisting, stop pushing and submit to you. And for those of us that do say that we know you, help us to love you afresh today and see the reason behind the actions that we take and to see that you are at the core and that you deserve worship above and over all things. Let your name be glorified today, Lord Jesus. Amen. Mm-hmm.